Amidst all the carnage on Saturday and that loss to Liberty, did BYU find a little bit of an identity, a sliver of hope amidst all of that? We'll try to explain ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Our title sponsor today is our friends over at Sling TV. This episode of Locked On Cougars is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between BYU and East Carolina on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for the price you'll love. Try it today. And just a reminder that BYU will be on ESPN2. So you can check that out. It's got all the games out there. So Sling TV, if you're looking for a TV option, check that out. All right, once again, this is Locked on Cougars, your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here, simply stated, is to make you the smartest BYU fans out there, giving you all the news, notes, and even some opinion along the way to make sure that you guys are the best and brightest Cougar fans when it comes to spending time with your family and friends, and they're absolutely astounded at what you know about all things BYU. All right, on today's show is, of course, a film review Monday. BYU losing 41 to 14 to Liberty and that was an absolute agony to rewatch that game if I'm being honest just because the overall output for BYU on every side of the ball just it wasn't good enough. Punt team, uh, kickoff team, returns, uh, special teams wise, the defense giving up 547 yards, the offense after the first quarter essentially going into the dumper. There there was nothing going right in that game for BYU. So uh, it's going to sound crazy when I say this, but rewatching that game on my film review, I actually came away with one foundational building block I think BYU's defense can use, hopefully, to make improvements moving forward. Now, if you want to take the totality of the performance. Like I said, 547 yards, 28 uh, first downs. That Those numbers are not good for BYU. That stuff's not good. But what I saw, and this I didn't catch this watching this live on Saturday afternoon, I did catch it on my rewatch, is that if indeed Kalani Sitake is going to continue to be the, in essence, the de facto defensive coordinator for BYU, and his comments will take them at face value, as he said that Saturday, he's going to continue to coordinate, make the calls for the defense here. If that's the case, I actually saw a clear identity for BYU's defense. What is that? Well, it's a 4-2-5 look. BYU too many times over the past three to four years have played with multiple fronts and multiple uh, formations, schemes, all that type of stuff, week to week. It's never been a clearly identifiable scheme and or backbone or whatever you want to describe it. There's there's never been a clear identity for BYU's defense. Some games it was a 3-3-5. Some games it was a 4-3. Some games uh, that 4 2 Five. Some they never were game to game able to say this is what our scheme is. And what I saw in that game against Liberty, and there were times they did drop to a three man front, etc. But more often than not, it was a four two five look for BYU based on what I understood. And I know that you probably are saying, well, there was three linebackers out there. The flash linebacker position, which Max Tooley and or Chaz Ayu were playing mainly in that spot for BYU against Liberty, it's called the flash linebacker. It's actually a hybrid linebacker 
linebacker slash safety role. They're not necessarily supposed to play full-time linebacker, but they're also supposed to drop into coverage as if they're a nickel or a safety in pass sets. So that 4-2-5 look was BYU's base on Saturday, and that to me, is a step, at least one step, in a positive direction for BYU's defense. Like I said, the overall defensive output, no, that 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 wasn't good enough. The third straight game, you've given up over 500 yards. Like I said, the 28 first downs, time of possession battle, you lost that again. They nearly uh, doubled up BYU in terms of overall plays run. There was nothing really good going on for BYU, but if you, we're looking trying to find kernels and nuggets and slivers of hope for BYU right now, and that's one of them I identified in my film review. Now, other notes I took away defensively for BYU, is that BYU right now, it's crazy to think about this, and I know this might sound absolutely crazy, but I, I talking with enough people, I, I threw this at three or four people over the weekend, and every single one of them agreed with me. What traditionally has been the toughest position group for BYU to, to recruit to? Defensive backs, cornerbacks in particular. That, that was like, BYU was always lambasted for having guys who were steps slow, too short, or just flat out couldn't keep up with cornerbacks. Now, BYU's cornerback... Uh, position on Saturday was getting beat one-on-one, and that's obviously not good, but there's better athleticism in BYU's defensive secondary right now than there has been in a long, long time in terms of the overall breadth and depth in those units. Now, what position group has BYU's defense traditionally always had a pretty decent run of having? Good defensive linemen, guys who can hold up on the interior who are going to be 300-pounders that can absolutely uh, muck it up with anybody in the interior. Right now, it feels like we're living in the twilight zone because BYU's defensive line recruiting is frankly flat-out awful. They're working with multiple walk-ons in every set I've seen on the field for BYU right now. I know they have some guys coming home off missions or out in the mission field right now who are more highly touted defensive line types, but right now... This is the this is the this has been the issue for BYU in recruiting is they have taken the easy way out when it comes especially across the board on the defensive side of the football in terms of recruiting. That is this is the fruition of thinking you know what we can do le- we can do more with less we can go out and take guys who we don't want to take a flyer on they've got measurables that we can we can think we can develop them especially on the defensive line they may be thirty pounds too light or they have great wingspans or you think that this is a great athlete we can turn them into a defensive lineman. Sometimes you need to go out and recruit guys who are born and bred to play the positions that they play even at the high school level. I hope that BYU gets back to that, and I hope that the philosophy will change, because right now, BYU's defensive line, it's absolutely killing them. Trajan Peely, uh, former BYU defensive lineman, the older brother of current BYU linebacker Keenan Peely, also uh, Logan Peely, also on the roster, who's redshirting this year. He said that he played for BYU during the 2017 season when BYU went 4-9. and nine. He said, the defense that BYU is running is predicated on having elite or above average defensive line play. And if anybody out there thinks that BYU is getting above average or elite defensive line play, I've got some land that I would like to sell you out there in Alaska. I'm going to call it beachfront, beachfront property in a sunny year round. That's, that's the thing about this is... It's coming home to roost right now. The lack of recruiting and the prowess in recruiting for BYU, especially across the board on the defensive side of the football. Have they done a decent job recruiting linebackers? Yes. Have they done a decent job getting good defensive backs? A lot of them are guys that they bet on uh, developing, but they've had some guys that are quote-unquote born and bred guys on the defensive side of the football, but the defensive line, no offense to, to some of these guys on the defensive line, but they're just not 
up to snuff. Multiple times, the interior, in particular, BYU's defensive line would come with a bull rush, and all Liberty's defensive line, offensive line would do is they'd chop their hands down, and BYU's defensive line was so far out on, on their skis, they're falling down flat on their face, and they've taken themselves out of the play. That stuff, you can't have that. You've got to have guys who are capable of holding up on the interior of BYU's defensive line. I actually thought Tyler Batty had a pretty good game, all things considered, for BYU. Now, I do have a question about him and guys like Puka Nakua in terms of they play, it felt like three or four plays, and all of a sudden they're tapping on their helmet, asking to come out. Is that a symptom of them not being conditioned enough, or is that a symptom of them just being used to going hard for three or four plays with that hockey substitution model and saying, oh, wow, uh, it's time for me to go out? BYU needs to dig in and have some of these guys say, you know what, do you want to keep playing football? Do you enjoy doing this? That's the thing. They need to identify, and Kalani talked about this in postgame, he needs to find the guys who are going to buy in, who are going to be out there and want to play ball. You've got to find a clear, I'd say, 22 guys, hopefully, maybe even less than that. I'd even keep the rotation even tighter if I could. Uh, but get guys who want to be out there every play and can be effective in their roles. Are those guys on the roster? That's another huge question. But the the, the positive I felt like, and I'll, I'll stick to this, is that I felt like BYU finally is, if this is going to continue, we'll see. Uh, Friday's going to tell me a lot because this is only a one-game sample size, uh, to be fair. But I felt like in that game against Liberty, BYU finally identified what their base defense is going to be. That is something I have been unable to identify for many, many moons now. And I would love nothing more than for that to be at least one of the building blocks here and getting this defense back to playing some decent ball. We'll talk about some of the other takeaways I had. I have some stuff on the offense for my film review we'll get to here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by our friends at Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be the touchdown for Puka Nakua. It was a swing route out of the backfield. They're using Puka Nakua in more of a Debo uh, uh, Samuel uh, format, speaking of the 49ers, and he got that touchdown, and it was a fantastic play design because he had great blocks on the outside. Keanu Hill and Braden Cosper absolutely blocking their rear ends off, and Puka Nakua takes it to the house. That In, in a game devoid of a lot of other positives for BYU. It absolutely had to be that touchdown for Puka Nakua, and he was the best player on the football field for BYU in that game. So, my friends, this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you with the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. It's all available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, my friends, want to encourage you guys to make your second listen today. Our friends over the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter to the most, uh, to the most, excuse me, to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights like only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Peter Bukowski does a fantastic job getting you caught up on everything that happened in the day and night in sports in the day previous. You haven't had a chance to catch up on some of the stuff you've been looking forward to. That's a great way, 22 minutes or less, to catch up on it. It's a fantastic product out there. All right, a couple other notes uh, from Film Review uh, here on this edition of Locked on Cougs on a Film Review Monday. Now, the offensive side of the football, BYU, outside of the first quarter, it went into the toilet for BYU. It, it was not good. They had 116 yards at the end of the first quarter. They finished with 258 yards. That's 142 yards outside of the first quarter, and BYU did all their scoring in the first quarter as well. Well, and they were helped by that interception that Talon Alfrey had. Now, 
Jaron Hall took a hit in his throwing shoulder. Maybe recall it. It was a it was a delayed blitz. I believe it was from a linebacker. It might have been a safety, but they were uh, coming free up the middle. And Jaron releases the football. It ended up being an overthrow intended for Cody Epps, and he gets blasted, absolutely blasted in his uh, so his right rib area slash shoulder area takes an absolute shot. Uh, that was with it was he five twenty four to go in the first quarter. After that, Jaron Hall was a little bit erratic with his passing. He ended up finishing 16 of 34. If I'm not mistaken, that is his first sub-50% completion game in his BYU career. Not good enough from him, but I felt like after that hit... I saw his passes start to sail a little bit, and that screams to me, and this is something that uh, Taysom Hill struggled with during his entire career at BYU, was keeping passes on target with guys across the middle and the ability just to, to fire them in there. I felt like at times in this game, especially as the game progressed, Jaron Hall's velocity and his ability to throw across the middle was struggling, and many of you can go back and watch this game. Watch some of those passes sail high. There are times that passes will sail high because you're trying to get, the, get it over the top of a linebacker and drop it into a hole where that receiver and or tight end is at. But there were throws where there was no defender that was necessarily going to necessitate that for Jaron Hall, and he just sailed him. And I don't want to say it's a symptom of him being injured, but after that hit, it felt like his throwing motion changed a little bit in this game. Only he and the BYU coaching staff slash training staff know how injured he truly is, but he is absolutely laboring through it. I will give him mad props for battling through whatever he is dealing with out there, because it's It's not easy to play injured. Now, I also want to acknowledge that I am just as baffled as any of you out there why Jacob Conover is not getting any time. This was a game you're in an absolute blowout. There's no hope of you coming back. That fourth quarter, that's 15 minutes of game action. In my mind, that Jacob Conover could have played for BYU in that game. Uh, I know that you you never want to give in. You want to keep fighting, but... At some point, you got to wave the white flag. And BYU, for all intents and purposes, I, I, I watched that fourth quarter, and I usually kind of write my notes uh, in terms of qu- quarter by quarter. My fourth quarter notes really has nothing outside of, why no Jacob Conover? Why no giving guys in the second unit an opportunity to play in this game? These are these are some of the games that I think, if, if you know you're up against it, why not give them a look? I, I, only they can explain that. I'm going to hopefully get a chance to ask Kalani Satake as well as Aaron Roderick at some point this week. BYU will have a press availability today with Kalani Satake at noon mountain time, and then it'll be uh, players and coaches available after practice tomorrow evening. Uh, I'm hoping to get some clarification on why Conover was is not able to play. Maybe it's just something there's a, there's a, they're just trying to feature Jaron Hall. I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm, all I'm saying is watching that game, it should have been, I felt like that was a game to say, you know what, hey, Conover, you're going in. And even if you want to play him with the first string offense, that's fine by me, but give him a look. That's all I'm asking. Other things that BYU struggled with. BYU's wide receivers outside of Pukunakua could not win one-on-one with Liberty's defensive backs. Conversely, Liberty's defensive uh, wide receivers were winning one-on-one against BYU's defensive backs, and that was a huge key in this game. Think of some of those deep passes down the seam uh, for Liberty, especially early on in this ballgame. A couple of them were called back uh, due to some ineligible man downfield calls on the Flames, but they were winning one-on-one. On the other side of the football for BYU's offense, outside of Pukunakua, it didn't feel like any of BYU's receivers were winning one-on-one battles against Liberty's defensive backs. And I'd like to think BYU has played against Baylor, they've played against Arkansas, they've played against Notre Dame, they've played against Oregon. I'd like to think that they have played better defensive backs than what Liberty had on the field on Saturday, but... 
BYU won battles in each of those other four games. I, I just don't know what was going on with BYU in this game because it just didn't seem like anybody could find themselves open. And you got to get tip your cap to Liberty because I thought their defensive scheme was phenomenal. They were running twist stunts, blitzes, uh, run blitzes. The, a lot of the versatility of what Liberty shows on the football field, well, what I thought, okay, BYU's going to be able to overcome a lot of what Liberty throws at them defensively in this game. And Liberty just did what they did. They they are a, a team right now, and it's kind, of a, it's kind of funny to look at this. Liberty right now believes. They, they just simply, they have confidence. They got belief. They're playing with joy. They're out there. They're just having a good time. Conversely, right now, everything's hard for BYU. They're playing tight. They're not uh, playing with joy. It just seems like every game, they're, they're just like, okay, we, we, we got to be perfect in this instance. I just I look at BYU right now, and I I feel for these young men because they know that the heap uh, the, 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 there's like heaps upon heaps upon heaps of pressure being put upon them. There are hundreds of thousands of BYU fans out there who are supporting the Cougars, whether it's uh, near or afar. People that are in Utah or beyond, and the, trust me, the Cougar Nation is everywhere. We've seen that great representation once again at Williams Stadium on Saturday in Lynchburg, Virginia. But there are a lot of BYU fans, and these young men. Speaking of the BYU football program, you can tell they're carrying that weight on their shoulders. They want nothing more than to win a football game. They'd love nothing more than be able to talk about a win because they've won four games this year, but right now they're mired in a three-game slide. They're on their way to potentially having a winless October if they don't beat East Carolina on Friday. And if you don't think that's wearing on them... I don't know what to tell you because you can just see it. it they they got that fumble like late in that game. BYU gets a fumble. Uh, the uh, I think it was Lorenzo Falatea stripped it out. If I'm not mistaken, might have been Caden Hawes, but one of the two of them stripped out. And BYU gets it back. And I know that they were down at that time, and it's going to be a little bit subdued celebration. But there was like zero celebration. I felt like for BYU, they, they were just like, oh, we got the turnover. All right, here we go. And I, I just I feel like this team is carrying a lot of weight on their shoulders and really the only way to get that weight off their shoulders in a way is to go out and win a football game i know that sounds like complete <laughs> i i i know how crazy that sounds but right now byu in the worst way needs to win a football game and maybe this week it's going to be east carolina our friends over at bet online have installed byu as a three-point favorite now in betting parlance getting only three points at home that's what you get just regularly so they think this is pretty close to a pick with East Carolina coming across the country on a short week. BYU, the biggest thing I think they can do right now is just go out and get a, w- and get a win. Uh, I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine who's a big Cougar fan. He said, Jake, this team, just they, they need something positive to rally around. And maybe... Maybe it is that they just they, they find some self-belief amongst one another, but I really think that the biggest thing they need right now, they just need to find a win. They could win by one point on Friday night against East Carolina, and I think they would be celebrating wildly as if it was just life was good again. Like They would be celebrating as if they won a national title. I, I truly believe that. This is a team, I just see them, they're carrying so much weight, and I look forward to catching up with Clark Barrington. I do want to ask him about this and kind of get his insight on it. I, I expect he'll give me a, a pretty... Uh, bland and vanilla answer on it, but I, I'm going to ask him that question. I'm going to ask Kalani Sitaka that question. How much weight are you guys carrying right now? Because it sure seems like BYU, it feels like in many ways, they're kind of carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, and they they need to, to shed that. Now, a couple other notes real quick before we go here. I don't have a ton of notes from this game because there wasn't, frankly, a lot good for BYU, and I'm, I'm trying to keep it somewhat positive here. Uh, one thing that I thought is BYU, the tight end early on in this game, Isaac Rex was very, very effective in that first quarter, and then after that, 
Did you hear number 83's name called? Did you hear number 13, Mason Wake's name called? Did you hear Ethan Erickson's name called outside of an incomplete pass? No. Uh, Liberty bottled up BYU's tight ends, and we need to see more production from that. And I know that the tight ends, you guys have asked me this question, why isn't Jaron Hall looking more to the, more to the tight ends? Honestly, I think the biggest thing is they've just been kind of bottled up in the scheme. And at times, uh, when you're under it, like BYU has been, they're actually being asked to take on more of an active blocking role than anything else. So, not a lot of positives for BYU right now. I don't think I'm breaking news to any of you by saying that. But I think that the the things I will take away from this Liberty game is I felt like BYU finally identified what their base defense is going to be. I, like I said, it's a one-game uh, sample size. Number two, I feel like BYU offensively, if they get requisite amount of snaps, by the way, that's one thing I probably should point out here. BYU, uh, did they even get over 40 snaps in this game? I probably should pull that up. But they had so few offensive snaps in this game yet again that it's almost near impossible to expect them to be able to go out and do much of anything. Liberty, I think, actually doubled them up in overall uh, offensive snaps, uh, speaking of the Liberty offense versus BYU's offense, and when you don't have more than 50 snaps in a game and even closer to 60 and 70, you've got to be so efficient to score points to win football games, and BYU didn't get that. Yet again this year, the defense letting the offense down in some ways, but I'm I'm seeing just if BYU can finally narrow in on what's going on defensively and find some identifiable things that they can they can work on. They need to work on tackling still. They still need to work on uh, their angles, especially when it comes to pursuit drills. That type of that stuff still needs to be worked on. But starting to have building blocks, clearly identifiable things that I am seeing and probably you out there are seeing as well. So one of them this week, um, the positive I will take away is I felt like BYU finally narrowed in on, okay, this is what our base identity on defense is going to be. Let's build off of that. And that, I think, is something that BYU hopefully can carry forward here as they get ready for East Carolina. Now, East Carolina brings a different type of offense. We'll talk about this throughout the week. But Holton Aylers, they're a quarterback. Talk about a gunslinger to the max. This is a kid who just makes throw after throw after throw. Some good, some bad. Like I said, gunslinger is the just the, might be the perfect moniker for this young man because he is the guy that will throw it into double coverage, believing that his arm can make that throw. That's the type of mentality and type of offense that East Carolina's bring into the table on Friday night. I'm looking forward to it. We'll break that down a little, little bit more as the week progresses. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish out today's show with some other news and notes involved in BYU athletics, uh, some stuff that uh, BYU is doing it right now in terms of women's volleyball, women's soccer. You got all that still to come right here on Locked on Cougars. First, though, a word on our friends over at Sweatblock. Many of you out there uh, can remember moments where it's like the, the want to get away moment when it comes to Southwest. Like You're just sweating through your shirt, you made a, a major boo boo at work, uh, or you just you had an awful first date. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about. The best part is, is the best part to help you stay a little bit more dry throughout all that is our friends over at Sweatblock. It gives you the confidence to wear what you want without that un- embarrassing underarm sweat. Its uh, wipes are featured and tested on the Rachel Ratio by firefighters walking into burning houses, and it showed that they stayed dry. My friends, it's a phenomenal product. It could help you guys out, especially if you are having a sweating problem. If you or someone in your love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. You can save 20% with the promo code Locked On at Sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Once again, 20% off at Sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On. All right, before we go here on Locked On Cougars, once again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Wanted, uh, I've meant to mention this earlier on, uh, 
I talked about BYU's defense having a clearly identifiable style or I guess a base defense that I am seeing. Well, the numbers for BYU's defense, you can only go up from here. Uh, that's the thing about this is you're, you are about as low as you possibly can go. There are a few places you can go a little lower for BYU's defense, but Jerem Jordan put this out and he, he tweeted out an interesting format. He says, this is the BYU football stat rankings from the bottom. This is 131 teams at the FBS level, ranking them from the bottom. So BYU right now, is fourth worst in third down defense at 48.7%. That means uh, teams are getting nearly 50%. Every, one of every two third downs, they're converting on BYU. They're the fourth worst there. Fourth down percentage, they're 27.8%, which is fifth worst. First downs overall given up, they're fifth worst. 190 on the season giving up. Field position against, it's fifth worst. 33.7 yard line is the average starting field position for opposing teams against the Cougars. Tackles for loss, BYU's eighth worst. 4.1 tackles for loss per game. Conversely, Liberty was number two in the country in tackles for loss, averaging something around like nine a game. Sacks per game right now, BYU's ninth worst in the country with an average of 1.1 per game. That's ninth worst in the country. Sacks for Liberty, going into that game against BYU, it was they were averaging four a game. They're second in the country in sacks per game. So this is a defense. Like I said, you can only go up from here. You are about the bottom barrel as you can get for BYU's defense. So at this at this point, if you're Kalani Satake or Lisa Tuiaki, any of these other position coach on BYU's defense, I'd point at those stats and say, guys, we have just we've sunk to the bottom. Let's try to start swimming up a little bit and see if we can climb a little bit in these rankings. That's that's probably going to be the message to these young men as you go throughout this week getting ready for East Carolina. All right, some other notes for you guys before we go here. The women's volleyball team had their chance. Uh, the number 15 ranked women's volleyball program was at San Diego on Friday night with a huge clash against undefeated and number four ranked San Diego. Did not go the Cougars' way. They were swept in straight sets, three nothing. Uh, BYU getting absolutely pummeled by the Toreros. They're now firmly in second place in the West Coast Conference standing. San Diego atop those standings, still undefeated on the season. BYU. BYU will return home to take on Gonzaga this coming Thursday night, uh, taking on the Bulldogs at 7 o'clock Thursday evening. That'll be on BYU TV and the BYU TV app if you want to check that out. A huge opportunity, hopefully, for BYU women's volleyball to bounce back. Now, the women's soccer program, they're on a good run here right now. They have won, let's see, uh, they're actually unbeaten in their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight last eight matches BYU is unbeaten. Uh, most recently beating Gonzaga two one on an absolutely miserable night out at Southfield Saturday evening. The weather here in Utah has absolutely turned. I woke up to winter. At my house, uh, temperatures in the mid 30s all day here on Sunday. Like I went, we went from 75 on uh, what Friday to 36. I think was the high that I saw at least on my weather bug app. I saw 36 for the high for Saratoga Springs where I live. But BYU gets the win 2-1 over Gonzaga. They're gonna I'll be back in action. They got a, a midweek. They don't play this week. They're gonna actually be back in action Saturday evening when they welcome uh, Santa Clara to Southfield. That'll be at six o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV if you want to. Tune into that also on the BYU radio uh, side of things as well. So a uh, decent weekend uh, for women's soccer. Not so good weekend for BYU women's volleyball, but looking forward to seeing them bounce back. Also this week, uh, just a little bit of a teaser ahead, the blue and white game for men's basketball. Wednesday night, your first chance to get out to the Marriott Center and watch the men's basketball program. Some of you may be checking out on BYU football, so maybe it's time for you to start embracing BYU basketball. Blue and white game Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It'll be at the Marriott Center. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Cougars. 
thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you guys to make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you're up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts, like here on YouTube and also wherever you get podcasts, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You guys know the drill. Check it out. Thank you once again for the support. As always, we'll be back tomorrow. Reaction from Kalani Satake. Also looking forward to that game against East Carolina. We got you covered all week long right here on Locked on Cougars. See ya.